Yeah, part of uh, how I prioritize as well is, you know, having a space for just reflection and introspection. Mm. And for me, I've been able to really do that uh, by mapping out, um, you know, my own, how I, my own frameworks for how I'm organizing what I'm learning. Um, and also just being able to, you know, document my own uh, gratitude in, in my journals. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a huge fan of bullet journaling. I'm, uh, I follow a lot of bullet journalers, bullet journalers on social media. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just a really great way to organize your thoughts. Have you enjoyed listening to the Paul podcast? Are you looking for a way to support it? Or maybe you just want some swag? Check out the Paul store today. We have shirts, hoodies, sweatshirts, hats, stickers, and so much more. Go to incredipaul.org, I-N-C-R-E-D-I-Paul.org, and click on the store link. Or go to the link in my socials bio and click on the Incredipaul shop. Looking forward to seeing your Incredipaul look. Turn this up! Turn this up! Your professional development is one of the keys to your career success. When you combine your desire to grow with actionable steps, your journey to success becomes an incredible reality. Welcome to the Incredipal Podcast. And now, sharing his expertise, experience, and excellence with the world, here's your host, Paul Faranby. Hi, I'm Paul Faranby, and welcome to the Incredipal Podcast, where we learn how to become the most incredible versions of ourselves by learning from each other. Today, I have Dr. Brian Dosono on the podcast. He is a de- he is design researcher lead in New York City. He applies H- HCI UXR methods in visual storytelling to scale economic opportunity through global products. All that start all that sounds amazing. I know nothing about that, but I'm super excited to learn more about it. How about Dr. Soto? You talk about more about yourself, introduce yourself the way you would do it. Wonderful. Thank you so much for that kind introduction, Paul. Hi, everyone. My name is Brian, and I'm really excited to be speaking on Paul's Incredible podcast today. I currently am located in New York City. I hail originally from Wapato, Washington. I'm a son of Filipino immigrants, and I'm a first-generation college student, and I always love connecting with those who you know, come from backgrounds, especially those who may have connections from the diaspora and those who are also just trying to kickstart their careers. Like Paul alluded to, I have a background in human-computer interaction, and that is a discipline that brings together people, technology, and information. And the work that I get to do on a daily basis is use research to inform how we can improve programs, products, and policies. And in my current job right now, I, I work on improving regulatory and financial services. Wow. In, outside of uh, the the typical corporate uh, job, I do have a number of hobbies that I think have helped keep me grounded and really have helped me prioritize how I show up to work. And I feel that I can always bring my best self to work because I am rested. And I I think in general, um, have an appetite to want to be the best version of myself uh, in as many capacities as I can. That is incredible. I love that. So I want to unpack, unpack some of that. So I definitely relate to you at some point as being a first generation immigrant as well. So did you grow up in Washington or did you 
uh, go to school there or yeah tell me more about that yeah absolutely i grew up in wapato washington it's located in central washington it's between i'd say seattle and boise idaho so okay. it's somewhere there <laughs> and i did my undergrad at the university of washington in seattle before i did my phd at syracuse university in new york okay okay i see the, the new york connection <laughs> with the phd yeah <laughs> awesome so i I'll, I know a little bit about human computer interaction. I didn't realize when I saw the acronym HCI, that's what it was, just because I'm not in that area. But is that something that you were always passionate about? Or how did you even discover that was something you wanted to do? Yeah, that's a great question. So right after I finished high school, I was able to find a program that allowed me to intern at a place like Boeing. And initially when I went to college, I thought I was going to be an aerospace engineering major. After that summer interning at Boeing, I realized that I was really passionate about learning how people use technology instead of, you know, just purely engineering the product myself. Mm. And I wanted to find ways or opportunities that um, enabled me to improve experiences whether they're experiences for hard, tangible products or experiences that span digital, uh, the digital realm. So uh -huh. at the University of Washington, there's so many different departments that do HCI. Okay. There's HCI, you can do it from a computer science lens, you can do it from a communication lens, an anthropology oh, wow. lens. I was able to find a really strong fit for me in their information school. Hmm. And that um, information school at the University of Washington uh, was able to really situate and ground me in a discipline that really valued how people were accessing information, how people were evaluating the information that they uh, were digesting or understanding. And it was doing it in a way where uh, I was constantly surrounded by folks with and instructors and professors that really placed research in a high regard. Mm. And I think because of that surrounding and because a good number of my faculty at the University of Washington got their training at Syracuse University, uh, I also decided to uh, you know, pursue a PhD in the information science realm and mm. was able to, to find another great home at the Syracuse Information School. Um, and I ultimately did my PhD on how folks use online communities to negotiate their collective identity. Oh, wow. And I, I particularly looked at the Asian Reddit space as a place for you know, folks within my community to deliberate ongoing topics and to decolonize their sense of self. Are you a STEM student? Do you have questions about life after undergrad? Are you not sure what professional development really means? Or maybe you just want to meet some incredible people and ask questions to someone who's been in your shoes before. The Incredible Student Community is for college students who want some help navigating through college, finding their way into grad school, a career, or even starting a business. We will meet once a month for an hour each time. You can reach out with questions at any time through a special group of people you know are serious about their growth as a student leading into a professional. Go to incredipal.org slash community to learn more about this. You can also go to my about page, incredipal.org slash about to learn more about me. 
Join me in becoming the most incredible student you can be. That is phenomenal. I love that. I love that. So as you, so I, I know you kind of, you talk through kind of getting into the space as far as learn about ACI and then kind of determine like, cause they're all, a lot of the departments found it where you were or had it was that something that you kind of tried a few of them or did you go directly into it I, I'm not I didn't I don't know as far as University of Washington how it is as far as if it's easy to kind of move between departments or did you declare it like in your first year your second year like like how did that even happen yeah that's a great question I believe and this is like over a decade ago so I'm trying to trying to recall <laughs> I probably declared it between the summer of my second and third year at college. Yeah. Uh, I was really fortunate where I could just explore different classes. I took some courses uh, through, for example, our computer science program. I was able to uh, take some courses through our human-centered design and engineering program, which mm -hmm. is a function of our engineering school. And I also took courses through our information school. And for me, the courses I took through our school just really resonated, and I just felt like I found my tribe, yeah. at least my academic tribe. <laughs> so <laughs> I just, you know, when I think when you know, you know, and yeah. I, I really wanted to, to dive in more deeply. And I think there's also something to say about that transition from undergrad to graduate. Hmm. And I was so fortunate to have the support of services like the Ronald E. McNair program and LSAT Lowy Stokes, uh, you know, minority program to really help provide strong scaffolding for how I can make these seamless transitions. I knew that I couldn't really rely or ask my parents to help me navigate through this journey because neither of them went to college, let alone grad school mm. uh, in the States. So this is just something that I really wanted to make sure I was, was I felt really prepared and equipped to do so. And programs like LSAMP and the McNair program, I think really gave me a really great foot in the door and connected with, with mentors who were also there to look after my own success. Yes, yes, I love that. Mentorship is, is so critical. I talk about it all the time. And as far as what you were able to do as far as finding though the support system that you, you were able to seek that out. I talk to students all the time. I'm sure you do the same that a lot of people feel like they have to have their whole life's career planned out even before they apply to school. And, and I tell all the time that some people do, but majority of people don't. They just pick something. And then as you find something that you're passionate about or maybe discover like deeper levels, then you can dive more into it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I consider myself a type A person, but even with a type A personality, I could have never predicted in high school that I would be where I am right now. Yeah. And it would be really hard for me to make a prediction of where I am, of where I'm going to be, you know, 20 years from now. Oh, yeah. I think, you know, there are a lot, a huge part of growth is just being very open to accepting new directions. And, you know, I think just the sheer amount of chaotic events that have unfolded over the past five years uh, with everything going on from U.S. elections to the Man. pandemic yeah, uh, just made me realize that, you know, the future is, is expansive and very hard to plan around, but, mm. you know, finding, finding your own way to uh, best situate yourself in any, you know, in any way that the future unfolds uh, for me is something that I've been able to just take 
uh, hobby by hobby or uh, moment by moment. I love that. Taking it each step at a time, each day at a time. And that I think a lot of times, like when you're interviewing it, I think they used to ask, like, what do you see yourself in 10 years or 20 years? Now I hear more like five years, but no one really knows. Like we used to say, use the saying about having 2020 vision, but since COVID that has taken on a whole new meeting because no one saw that coming. But this whole idea of growth and in your professional life, your personal life, it seems like that's something really important to you. How did you get on that path? Because a lot of people talk about growth, but they don't always take the steps to get into it. Yeah, part of it for me is, you know, as a researcher, I'm just genuinely and genuinely curious about mm-hmm. the world around me. And I just find myself getting bored so easily. <laughs> so for me, I I find a lot of just personal satisfaction continuously learning, you know, new things, new ways of working. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think earlier on there's just a number of um, different books and articles that I've been able to read that help me situate myself in a growth mindset instead of a fixed mindset. Mm-hmm. And I think just being open and not just prescribing myself to one niche or a one track mind has really opened the doors for just a number of really unexpected opportunities. And I also think that in the, you know, there's, there's only so many seconds, minutes and hours of the day Mm -hmm. for me, I want to make sure that I am making the best use out of my time. And, you know, you know, outside of work, I think there's a lot of fun ways that you can invest your time. Mm -hmm. And I think especially uh, with grad school behind me, I, I I want to make sure that I'm using time in a way that, you know, is best suited for uh, me as an individual and not just, you know, grinding away at some institution. You know, mm. we, we live in capitalist structures, but <laughs> I, I really hope that, you know, folks who are, are listening can find some time to create their own agency and autonomy for how they want to live their life. Yes, definitely. Definitely. You, you have to find that space, even if it, it, you might not always get to get it at work, but outside of work or maybe in some pockets of work, you need to find that space. You need to find that autonomy to really for your own mental health, as opposed to just having, just going on with, because life gets really busy and, and cluttered. And until you take the time to reflect and think about, is this actually what I want for my life or not? it can be pretty difficult yeah (laughs) for sure for sure so on this kind of we're talking on this kind of talk about professional growth I know uh, as far as this whole idea of wellness is something that's really important to you is how how did you get involved with that as far as is that something that you learned in like grad school or undergrad or even after or how did that all come out yeah, you know, as someone who finished grad school, um, I think the I was probably the most unhealthy in my life when I was in, in grad school. Oh. And that's because there was just so many different, uh, you know, check marks and races mm. and systems that I needed to, that I, I was just trapped in in order for me to, to graduate. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I was a in the PhD program. You are like constantly pressured to publish, 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 
on top of that, you have to like find something that you know is novel to literature. Um, and you know, what I, I think is great about PhD programs is they teach you how to be an independent researcher. Mm-hmm. A lot of what I think is missing in the conversation of creating these programs to be more sustainable and healthy for PhD students is how we can really prioritize wellness mm-hmm. uh, and not have that take away from your own academic journey or your own scholarly journey. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the biggest reasons why I decided to do research in industry instead of just staying in academia is because I was so tired of not having energy in mm-hmm. grad school. So I, I told myself I really wanted to you know pursue a lifestyle that would support me uh, being able to, you know, live the life that I wanted to live and not have to worry about, you know, a publication deadline that's looming around the corner. Uh-huh. And uh, because of that, you know, I've, I've been able to really create healthy systems once I started uh, as a researcher in industry. I worked in San Francisco uh, for a while pre-pandemic mm-hmm. at Airbnb. And oh, there wow. that was uh, such a really awesome opportunity to, you know, work in a new environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, the city itself, I think, is pretty, uh, it's pretty surrounded by people who tend to optimize their schedule, at least, you know, in, in the tech space. Yeah. So there, I think I through osmosis, I've been able to see how people were really taking the time out of their schedule to go to the gym or to uh, really invest in healthy diets that mm-hmm. make them feel more nourished. Mm-hmm. So I think just being surrounded by folks who are more health conscious, and that's certainly what I was missing in grad school, made <laughs> me much more invested in how can I also go on this holistic journey of wellness. There are a number of different frameworks that I also picked up during this time. One of the frameworks that I subscribe to most is the eight dimensions of wellness. And this is something that um, a number of universities have been able to, I think, adopt and and share with their own students. I know that the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Association Mm -hmm. has been able to articulate this well in the programming that they do. This eight dimensions of wellness framework looks at all these different uh, lenses for how you can uh, improve your sense of self through uh, a dimension of wellness. So for example, just like going through the list, uh, you have your physical health, you have your emotional health, Mm -hmm. you have your intellectual health, you have your um, occupational health, financial health, social health, your spiritual health and your environmental health. And all of these different dimensions of wellness can, I think some people tend to over-index on them. For Mm -hmm. example, I think those who are really early in their career tend to over-index on their occupational health Mm -hmm. at the expense of, for example, their physical health. Mm -hmm. Uh, For me, this was just a system that allowed me to see where was I spending most of my free time? What can I do to uh, course correct in case I was not investing enough effort or attention into one of these dimensions and mm-hmm. you now where do I want to grow next as an individual yeah so what my my 2023 New Year's resolution is to really focus on on all of these dimensions of wellness and see what I can do to challenge myself to to grow in each one even further that that is so powerful I, I love that that is the, the first time I'm, I'm hearing about that as far as the eight dimensions of of health. 
Like a lot, a lot of those make, they make sense to me. I never really thought of the occupational health as something specific, but you're, you're totally right. You're spot on as far as we're, we're taught that we go to school, we go to grad school, we get a job and we try and climb the corporate ladder. And that's kind of like that occupational health, but then you're, physical health and even mental health or spiritual health can suffer while you're doing that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just a great framework to, to see, you know, where you are and to, to check in. And what's great about it too, is that, you know, you may have existing hobbies that allow you to grow uh, even more deeply into one of these, these areas. For me, I think I just take on new hobbies every year and um, now I'm I'm starting to see a number of these hobbies can also help me grow, um, can also help me grow in multiple dimensions, and mm-hmm. I think that's where this model really shines. Mm-hmm. Everyone has very fluid identities. People have overlapping and intersectional identities. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, hobbies are a way for us to just really. It, it's easy to compartmentalize our time if we allocate you know I'm going to be doing you know this hobby for x amount of hours a week Mm -hmm. um if you for me if I want something to be taken serious and if I need something to if I really want to focus something I put it on my calendar and if it's not on my calendar then it's probably going to be out of sight and out of mind Mm -hmm. so I would encourage everyone set some time and really have your different dimensions of wellness as non-negotiables that you want to work on to be scheduled on your calendar. That way, you know, there is that's going to be either a constant reminder to you or just another mechanism to keep you accountable for what you want to focus on in the upcoming quarter or, or half year. Yeah, I like that. What gets scheduled gets done. So that's yeah. yeah, for for those of you who are listening, take the time right now. I got a positive podcast, whether you're listening to it, or if you're watching it on YouTube, you're not watching it on YouTube, you should be watching it on YouTube. That's all I'm going to say there. But take the time right now to schedule some time because what gets scheduled gets done. That's really important. Are you wondering what's next? Has everything you tried failed? Or maybe you just feel stuck? Then coaching might be right for you. The coaching relationship is a relationship totally centered on you. If you're tired of running on the hamster wheel of life and want to start to see results, reach out to Incredipal for help. So what are you waiting for? Go to incredipal.org slash coaching, I-N-C-R-E-D-I-P-A-U-L dot org slash coaching or at I am Incredipal on all my socials. Or you can click the link in the bio for your free coaching session. I want to make sure you become the most incredible version of yourself. And I I was curious as far as, so you said that's your uh, New Year's resolution, those, those eight dimensions. Is there any one that you're more focused on right now of those dimensions? Huh. Yeah, I think right now, or I, for the good past year, I've been able to uh, really look at my financial wellness Hmm. and I'm you know I'm glad to be in a space where I have access to a financial advisor Hmm. I have a number of just different assets in in brokerages so I'm really trying to learn how to make the most of the resources that I have Hmm. how I can you know take advantage of you know compounding interest Hmm. uh, and how I can also gamify my own personal finances 
you know, one of the hobbies that I am hyper obsessed about, and I could talk hours about it, is travel <laughs> hacking. So how Wait, you can, can you repeat that? What what was it? Travel what? Yeah, travel hacking. Travel. So hacking. Yeah, what it's is the art of using points and miles to experience really awesome destinations mm-hmm. um, at a fraction or a heavily subsidized uh, portion of what it would normally cost. Okay. Um, you know, a number of folks, uh, you know, you could you look at financial instruments like credit cards that will mm. uh, give you points or miles, uh, which is, you know, separate from fiat currency, but mm. it's an opportunity for you to uh, make awesome redemptions that you might not normally make unless you were able to uh, you know, use your points and miles in, in ways that you'd like. So um, an example that I can give uh, is, you know, in February of 2022, I was able to propose to my fiance, awesome. was able to plan out a first class trip to the Maldives oh, and wow. propose to her there. And the awesome. first class uh, Emirates experience, and we were able to stay in an overwater bungalow um, all wow. of that was heavily subsidized through points and miles. I would normally never spend that amount of money um, unless I had, you know, uh, a separate fun currency. Um, mm-hmm. And the arbitrage from this game, I think, makes it so much more fun and entertaining. I know a lot of consultants who, you know, look at this as an opportunity to uh, arbitrage their own everyday spending habits. So, you know, it's just one of the ways that I, I'm trying to grow more into my own financial wellness and, you know, making every dollar that I spend count and making it, you know, fun in a way where I can look forward to planning these really fun trips. Um, and these are trips that, you know, I wouldn't have to pay an extra amount of money for because I can just redeem them for the points and miles I'm already accruing. That's awesome. I love I love that example. And congratulations on your engagement. Thank you. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> And yeah, we can stay on this a little because as far I have that I that's the first time I'm hearing that term, but that's actually something I love to do. And that maybe it's just from the fact that in a recent recent role that I had, I used to travel all the time. So I got tons of points and yes. miles. Oh, so you're you're quite familiar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. So I have all the stuff. And I think and I, I'm glad you also mentioned credit cards as well, because Credit cards are a, a good way to get that. And uh, whether it's the, the Chase or the City or whatever, uh, those are some of the ones that I have. They have, like, they give you a lot of points and you can transfer them to whatever you're trying to use or use their travel portal. I, but I think something that I want to mention for, which I'm sure you already know, but for people out there listening or watching is that, when you're using credit cards for the points, it's important that you are paying off your credit card balance every month as much as possible. Because that's, yes. that's what, in full and on time. Yeah, in full and on time. And like I automate it, I say as much as possible, automate it. If you can't automate it, you probably shouldn't be spending it. That's what I say. Yeah, as long as you use a credit card like a debit card and you don't spend mm-hmm. beyond your means, you come out on top every single time. Exactly. And you know, I, this is just one of those things that I wish I knew earlier about financial literacy. You know, mm-hmm. my parents, they just were not well-versed in this. They did not have uh, a credit system when they were in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. So 
a lot of this I really had to navigate either through myself or my peers who were already into this space. Mm -hmm. so, and especially for those who have a background in the diaspora, I think there's also this inherent distrust about financial systems and financial mm -hmm. institutions. Uh, there are a lot of, for example, elderly in living in Chinatowns who don't, who, who probably keep their money like under a mattress and, uh, and not letting their money work for them. Yeah. You know, not uh, taking advantage of, um, you know, the S and P five hundred, or just like not having their wealth um, really accumulate over time, uh, because inflation is making their spending power so much more, so much less. You know, um, and if only they had access to financial education, and I think that's just inherently something that is, you know, a byproduct of uh, of folks who don't have access to to education in general so yeah. whenever i can i always just try to educate you know, on the importance of building your um, credit history as early on as possible yeah. making sure that you are fully aware of like what comprises for example a credit score and just like healthy financial habits you know my high school didn't teach me any of this <laughs> so it's unfortunate and i'm hoping that more programs uh, get to a younger audience because if I had this information when I was you know 15 16 17 I think I you know who knows but I I would have been much more versed in making smart and prudent financial choices earlier in life yes I, I definitely agree as far as education is it's really lacking you really have to come across someone that is already knows it or is doing this or you have to almost be searching for it because it's not really something you stumble upon really yeah <laughs> but no that that's that's relation that's really good so when at what point did you get involved more and like learn more about finances or even this travel hacking yeah so at Airbnb, I was, it's, it's a, you know, I joined it pre-IPO, so oh, we wow. were in the travel space, and I think, you know, folks who tend to choose an Airbnb over other accommodations are very value-focused and, and uh, budget-minded, so mm -hmm. that is where I think I was able to really get a good grasp of understanding the market in terms of what travel experiences can look like. After Airbnb, I was able to, um, you know, find an awesome UX research role at eBay, where I now serve as the a uh, design research lead. And I look at, uh, I was formerly on eBay's payments team, and mm -hmm. now I, I look at the regulatory space. And I think what has been a really great bridge between the two experiences is that, you know, eBay is another marketplace very similar to Airbnb, where Airbnb connects uh, guests and hosts, or those who are traveling into those who are hosting spaces for travel. Mm. eBay, you know, one, being one of the pioneers of e-commerce and of online marketplaces in general, connects buyers and sellers. Um, and it, it's this concept of re-commerce. For example, if mm. there's something that you no longer need and you want to find a way to either get rid of it or sell it online, you know, have a marketplace like eBay where you can do that, you know, quite seamlessly and, and have your items, you know, available to, you know, anyone who wants to buy it from you in the world. Um, there, I think, um, now I'm looking at you know, fin the financial ecosystem in a different lens. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at how can we use this platform to empower small business owners or those who 
are thinking about selling more seriously um, so that they have another uh, reliable distribution channel to get their goods and services out there um, in you know places where they might not typically be able to transact at scale um, it, to now this online marketplace. So I think in my own journey so far as a researcher, Mm-hmm. The common thread has been economic empowerment. And I'm so fortunate that I get to work on products that scale to millions of users. Yes, that that's phenomenal. Like even I think between Airbnb and eBay, you probably help just about everyone. <laughs> that, that, that's amazing because I've used Airbnb and I've used eBay. So that that is that's so cool. I love it. I love it. What what did that transition look like for you going from Airbnb Airbnb to eBay? And were you still in San Francisco for eBay or did you move to New York at that point? Yeah, a number of uh, really interesting factors going on. So at San Francisco, uh, I was there for, yeah, uh, pre-pandemic. And then when the pandemic hit, uh, my you know girlfriend at the time, now fiance, uh, she uh, was able to match. So she was, a, we met it when she was in med school. Okay. She, uh, so yeah, I, I was doing halfway through my PhD program, uh, met her. And I think from there, uh, after she matched, she matched to a hospital in New York. And okay. because everyone, and this was also during the uh, super early peak of the pandemic. Oh, so when everyone was, you know, very much indoors and all the commencement ceremonies are being canceled across mm, the nation. Yeah. Um, it didn't make sense for me to be paying with a separate rent uh, because I we used to be living together when we were in Syracuse, and then I went to uh, San Francisco, you know, for temporarily for starting my own career. Yeah. And once everything went virtual, you know, this was a really great opportunity uh, for me to you know move it in with her again. Yeah. You know, back in New York. Yeah. And uh, ultimately was able to to work from home for a while. Okay. Uh, and then this really great opportunity came up um, and I was hired uh, through, I was hired through the San Francisco office of eBay, funny oh, enough, okay. uh, but then was eventually able to just uh, make a eventual switch over. Okay. And there, uh, you know, New York is really interesting because, you know, SF, I think, or the Bay Area in general, people think of it as the tech capital mm-hmm. um, of the world. And folks might look at, you know, New York as more of the fintech or the finance capital mm-hmm. uh, of of the world, or at least the country. Yeah. And the, here at New York, it's it's completely a different scene. It's a different vibe. I do love the art and the culture that mm-hmm. I have access to in New York City. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's just it's a it's a completely sort of different urban environment, yeah. but a fun urban environment nonetheless. Yeah. And I. Uh, I have an opportunity to work in, I usually, if I, if I um, am able to fit in my schedule, able to go to my office in Manhattan, um, that's usually a 45 minute commute. Most days I'm just working remotely. Okay. And I think one of the great benefits or affordances of a tech job is just having that flexibility mm-hmm. to work in a way that uh, best suits your lifestyle. Yes. 
that that is so important yeah i think tech tech more than any other industry i think is known for that flexibility before everyone else was able to work from home uh pre-pandemic tech was especially i'm just thinking of the googles of the world like allowing that and like saying like yeah just do that coming when you want sleep here if you want to eat here if you want all of that yeah. so so with that as as far as this this whole idea or the importance of prioritizing wellness how how are you able to do that or what does that look like for you as far as the working from home because I, I know like in the pandemic, a lot of people who were not used to working from home, whatever happens is that they said there was more productivity out the door, but that was because people didn't really separate home life or work life. They just kept working. So I'm curious as far as did you experience any of that or how have you adjusted to working from home? Yeah. So you know, outside of the dimensions of my occupational health, which I felt I was doing really well, I was constantly getting promoted. And outside of my, you know, uh, financial wellness dimension, something mm-hmm. else I really want to focus on was my physical wellness. Mm-hmm. You know, being in tech, I stare at a screen for so many hours a day. And something that I really wanted to get more in touch with was my own cultural heritage, my own background. I'm Filipino-American, mm-hmm. and I, up to this point, just have not really had the time in grad school to explore more of that heritage aspect Mm -hmm. um it was actually my during when i was living in san francisco i started filipino martial arts and that was such a powerful way for me to explore my roots Mm -hmm. i was my, my very first day of my filipino martial arts training my instructor uh placed a uh you know a really sharp edged sword in my hand and it was a sword that was reflective of what my ancestors used to fight off you know, colonial forces. Wow. And, you know, in, in many martial arts, I think p- different systems have different ways in which they uh, like to train students to go from one level to the next. Mm-hmm. Like what I think separates a lot of Filipino martial arts from other martial arts is that you train with a weapon on day one. Oh, wow. And that was just, I think, something that was so vividly, you know, burned into memory that I constantly came, you know, uh, came to my martial arts class right after work. Absolutely loved it. It was a really great way for me to stay in shape, to learn new forms of movement, Mm. to also learn and understand and find ways to protect myself in in self-defense. You know, especially, you know, this was when we were transitioning into the pandemic, it was also a huge rise in in Asian hate crimes. Oh yes, and it was just dangerous to yeah, be yeah, Asian yeah. and walk the streets of San Francisco. Mm-hmm. So there, you know, I think coming regularly to a martial arts class mm-hmm. uh, was just such a really great way for me to uh, build that uh, confidence in self defense. Mm-hmm. It was a great workout, and yeah. it was a really great way for me to reconnect with my roots. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, you know, again, just different dimensions of wellness. I, I felt that that really um, resonated with me. And when I moved to New York, I was also able to, you know, find other practitioners where I can continue learning more about and advancing my understanding of Filipino martial arts. So it's been a great way for me to just separate, uh, at least for, you know, a couple hours of the day, uh, Blakely 
uh, sitting down in a chair and and looking <laughs> at a screen. I can you know get up and move. I can stand, and um, I can also. I'm now at the point where I'm I'm able to teach others about Filipino martial arts, and that's also been such a fun journey for me to showcase to others the the beauty of the art and you know how it's been able to survive centuries of colonization mm -hmm. uh, you know now you see a lot of Filipino mar martial arts manifest in a lot of American Hollywood media so for example it's very prominently displayed in uh the Bourne Ultimatum series the Jason Bourne series it's wow. in um Avengers uh it's oh, wow. definitely showed its own way in the yeah the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe um, and you also see it in Game of Thrones. Um, so there's a ton of ways in which Filipino culture is embedded in the fabric of American media. Um, I think now it's well, a lot of practitioners of the art is doing are doing are, are trying to promote it more um, so that it's not just an art that has been able to survive centuries of Spanish colonization, but it's an art that is really, uh, you know, beautiful in its own way, and it's very practical in in the way in which uh, it is able to um, really shine through for self defense. That is so amazing, and I am a huge fan of the the board series and Avengers and all of that. And I had yeah. no idea. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's cool. I love it. Love it. So as far I, I know, you talked about. Um, the the travel hacking you talk about what you are doing with Filipino martial arts are there any other ways that you really go through your prioritizing wellness yeah part of uh how I prioritize as well is you know having a space for just reflection and introspection mm. and for me I've been able to really do that uh, by mapping out um, you know my own how I my own frameworks for how I'm organizing when I'm learning um, and also just being able to you know document my own uh, gratitude in, in my journals so mm -hmm. I'm, I'm a huge fan of bullet journaling I'm uh, I follow a lot of bullet journalers bullet journalers on social media mm -hmm. and I think it's just a really great way to organize your thoughts again not on a screen but on actual like pen and paper yeah <laughs> there's this theme here where I'm just trying to like get away from the screen yeah and yeah. it's just it's just a you know a, a way for me to also see how my writings have evolved over time. I still have my journals when I was in elementary and middle school. Oh wow! And high school and you know sometimes I look at it and I cringe, but I also see in reflecting at my past self the amount of growth I've had mm -hmm. as an individual, and I think the content that I'm producing now is is content that I'm proud of writing it's content that I'm proud of creating mm -hmm. and just to see that growth documented over time I think has been just a really interesting way to reflect on uh, what I've learned from having a growth mindset that's good that, that's journaling is something that I feel like I've started and stopped so many different times and uh, <laughs> the yeah the the fact that you have you're able to look back on stuff from elementary school whether it makes you cringe or, or not, I think it's amazing because I, I'm glad you mentioned that that really is a reflection of growth, that when we're able, when we look back at things and we cringe at them, even if it's just a year or two ago, that is that's a good thing that you have yeah. grown to the extent that you 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 don't do that anymore, you don't think that way. 
because I know, especially with, with cancer culture, a lot of times people feel there this this whole idea of people are like this and they're always going to be like this. Or they said this 20 years ago. Let's hold it to them. I'm like, people grow like they maybe it, it was that's it was wrong then. But that doesn't mean that they're the same person right now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and journals are a portal to your past self. So um, and not only are they important to your past self, but they can also just help you organize your thoughts. And, you know, if you're big into manifesting, you know, it's also a way for you to manifest, you know, what you would like to see happen or what you would like to, you know, call into or think yeah. into fruition uh, for, for the next for the future. So it's just, you know, a really great way to to keep things organized and centered. Uh, and uh, at least for me, not always stare at the screen. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the common theme of not stare at, at screens. But I do appreciate you being on the podcast, even though you are having to stare at the screen right now. Yeah. And you've been doing so, it all yeah. day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but, but no, that's good. Cause, yeah, I, I, I wholeheartedly believe in, in manifesting and in affirmations because yes. what you're saying to yourself and what you're thinking about yourself it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. And a lot, a lot of times people think that they're, they talk, they don't understand how to get out of that cycle. And the only way to break the cycle is to start speaking the good things, the life, the things that you want to happen. Even when, if you don't necessarily believe it yet, you have to start saying it and start going that direction. We can't just you can't just only say it and think it and believe it. You have to take action too. That's the key piece. Because people talk about, oh, you, you speak it, you believe it's going to happen. No, you also have to take action. Because uh, I, I actually was just listening to a podcast and they were, they were just talking about that. I was like, yeah, you just say it. You say it and it's going to happen. And, it, and then the host was like, no, I don't believe that. That doesn't happen. I'm like, you have to take action. And yeah. I totally agree with that. Yeah, uh, making sure that you act, you decide and you commit. And I think, you know, once you do commit, having that consistency and scheduling that as part of your routine mm -hmm. is going to be key. You know, if you, there's like a an age old adage that, you know, if you just get 1% better each day, you're going to see so much, you know, compounding positive residual effects from just trying to be 1% better. Yeah. And it's, you know, I think it's just a, a way to, you know, keep focus on any goals that you may have uh, and to open uh, flexibility in, you know, some of the initial goals that you do have. Maybe, you know, you might, even if you don't hit that goal, you might be growing in different ways, either adjacent or orthogonal to what you've initially laid out. Mm -hmm. So in many ways, at least you're able to um, see where you can make pivots, see yes. where you can make a redirection, see where you can have, you know, overlapping interests and and connect connect dots that way. Yes, that, that that's so good. Just like what you talk about, really overcoming that inertia and starting is often yeah. the the hardest part. You know, we feel like, uh, war. I'm gonna wait until I feel like doing this, and most likely you're never gonna feel like doing it. You just have to do it, and then as you do it, then you start to enjoy it, and then the feelings come a lot of times. It's good. Well, we are about out of time, but is there anything else about you or this whole concept of prioritizing wellness that we haven't touched on yet that you want to discuss? Yeah, I think, 
you know, the one other point I really want to make sure uh, we hit is you don't have to go on your journey of wellness alone. Mm. You, in my opinion, you actually grow faster if you're able to go on this journey with peers or even with professionals. Mm-hmm. And nowadays, there's so many resources online. Um, for me, I'm, I'm a huge fan of the resources uh, that are available by either the Health and Human Services Department or the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Association. Uh, there are just so many different frameworks that you can look at and you know see what works best for you. Mm-hmm. In 2023, I I also was able to experiment with more of the um, non-traditional forms of healing. Was able to you know go on a sound bath with a good friend oh. and very interesting you know resonance and vibes and just healing you know through sound yeah uh, i also was able to try out acupuncture uh for the first time this year oh, wow. uh, as, as a different way of of healing and i think in in all of the in all of these different um explorations either when it's with a peer or with it's when, when it's with a professional i've been able to you know be more open in how i communicate my health journey mm-hmm. and be more receptive in seeing you know what works great for my body and mind you know, what do I not like about a certain experience and how can I find other experiences that are somewhat related that I can explore or look into next? So again, you don't have to go through this health journey alone, this wellness journey by yourself, you know, find peers or find professionals that can help you in your exploration. Yes, no, that, that's so true. This whole idea of mentorship and seeking out help, even if it's not someone that's physically there, but there's so much, re- so many resources online. I know you shared some with me that I'm gonna, I'm gonna put in the show notes so people can learn more about the eight dimensions of wellness as well as more about mental health. Like I think you said it's National Minority Mental Health. Yeah, July is National Minority Mental Health Awareness Month. So yeah. you know, I think there's there's an also an opportunity for you know folks of color to really invest in themselves by investing in their wellness. Yes, yes. That, that's that's so powerful and i i'm curious because i what is a sound bath i don't, I have no idea yeah. what it is. yeah so from my experience a sound bath it, you can think of it as a place where you can have your um aura and vibes you know sort of reset mm. uh, for me i was able to find this place in new york city i walk into this uh you know relatively small space and I see like maybe 20 yoga mats spread out on the floor. I go in there with a friend. We find some yoga mats near the toward the front of the room. And there is this uh, really calm uh, facilitator who, you know, has different, I don't want to say bells and whistles, but uh, <laughs> different um, like drums or different uh, instruments that, you know, can, that have really... Uh, interesting uh, resonance and mm. frequencies to them. Okay. So, I mean, there. I know that there are you know virtual sound baths, but I really oh. wanted to experience one in person. Yeah. Um, and you know, for me, I was just able to like uh, go on a yoga mat, um, lie down, close yeah. my eyes, and just really immerse myself in the sounds that the practitioner was emitting. So they could be like low frequency or high frequency. Okay. Some of it can be like 
I don't know, imitations or, or mimicry of like a rainforest. Oh. But it was a, a place for me to like just really not think. I tend to overthink everything. So uh, it's just right a place for me to just like, don't think about anything. Just, you know, let whatever comes uh, to you come to you. And yeah, that for me, I'm a very empirical person I'm you know a scientist by trade so <laughs> going out and exploring all these different mm-hmm. uh alternative forms of healing I think you know is something that I never would have anticipated myself embarking on mm-hmm. but especially coming off of the cusp of a pandemic mm-hmm. I think now more than ever is a yeah well I you know now more than ever is an opportunity for me to just go all in on my own wellness Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to start a family soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, my partner and I do not yet have kids. So while we have time, I yeah. think this is a really uh, the, the perfect moment to explore alternative forms of, of wellness and healing. That that's phenomenal. I I love that. That that sounds like something I need because I am an overthinker. My wife knows, and she helps you with it. It's definitely got a lot better since we got married, and it's it's definitely it's been a journey of growth because five years ago or even like even two years ago is totally different as far as overthinking than I am right now. But like it's, it's a journey of growth that I'm still on, but it's a lot better than where I started. Thanks. For sure, for sure. Well, thank you for coming on the podcast. I want to make sure people know how to connect with you on your socials or website or how can people learn more about you and all the fantastic stuff you're doing. Absolutely. You can find me, Brian DeSono, on LinkedIn. And my handle for most platforms is at BDosono, B-D-O-S-O-N-O. And awesome. yeah, I have super happy to connect over talks of travel and technology. Um, outside of this, I'm also huge into skincare. That's my most recent hobby. So oh, wow. if anyone wants to like connect over that, super happy to talk about that too. <laughs> Man, I might have you back on and talk about that because <laughs> that's something my wife's really passionate about and she's getting me more into it, but I know very little about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the, the thing is, our skin is our largest organ, right? Mm-hmm. So. True. Sure. We need to be conscientious of what we put on it. Uh, I I firmly believe that you know, uh, you know it can whatever we put on our body is going to have, um, at least incremental effects of you know what of, of how we are able to show up you know mm-hmm. in, in in whatever you know manner it is. Yeah. Um, for me, like skincare has just been an opportunity to just uh, pause time when I'm either getting out of bed or I'm about to go to go to sleep to yeah. just uh, uh, slow down work on my skincare routine and just like not think about anything it's very meditative mm. uh and I'm always uh exploring new skincare products too and because our skin's our largest organ like I want to make sure that whatever I put on my skin is something that I'm personally comfortable uh having my body like digesting and consuming mm-hmm. so that's sort of my skincare philosophy um and I think, especially since, you know, I, I grew up with eczema too. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been an opportunity for me to really explore my own journey with my skin and how my confidence comes from how I present myself in work and in, you know, even events like this or interactions like this. Um, and now I, I was able to, you know, through sharing my story openly and being very, um, I think, 
conversant about my own wellness journey. I now serve on the uh, National Eczema Association as a research ambassador. So I think, you know, it's these types of opportunities that I would have never, (laughs) I would have never planned about this or never planned for this a decade ago. But, you know, because of the state of health and wellness of where Americans are today, this is just something that I think I really wanted to to double down on uh, this year and the subsequent years. Wow, that (laughs) is phenomenal. I like how you just casually drop that at the end, that you're on the board for the National <laughs> Eczema Association. No, it, it's it's remarkable, your story. Thanks for sharing your story with us. As far as like from being a, a Filipino immigrant coming to Washington, moving to San Francisco, going from, going from Airbnb to where you are with eBay, learning about prioritizing wellness through the pandemic and all these different hobbies and things that you're doing to make sure that you are prioritizing yourself, but also enlightening others as well. And even going deeper into your heritage with the Filipino martial arts. I definitely learned a lot for this conversation. I hope everyone listening or watching it as well. Thank you for being on the show and for everyone watching or listening, keep being incredible.